it's, it's an interesting tidbit in the history of great speeches. Some of the greatest speeches ever have been short. Now, I'm going to go ahead and warn you, this sermon probably won't be one of the greatest speeches ever or super short. But if you look at the Gettysburg Address, which Abraham Lincoln gave in the midst of the uh, Civil War, you look at the Lord's Prayer found in Matthew 6, and you look in the 23rd Psalm where we're going to be this morning, all of them are under 300 words, which is incredible. The 23rd Psalm, depending on the translation you were to count the words in, it's got around 115 words. It's not wordy, but man, is it powerful. If you have a Bible, turn to the 23rd Psalm this morning. If you do not have a Bible, that's not a problem. The Scriptures will be on the screens uh, and available to you and, and me. We are... We're in our series uh, this week and next week, and then two weeks from now, we'll close it out, about being sane in an insane world. We live in a crazy world. Our our challenge is to stay emotionally and psychologically healthy. And the 23rd Psalm, we're going to look at the first three verses this morning and the next three next week, is so beautiful in many ways. But one of the things it certainly lays out is how to be healthy how to be healthy in our hearts and our minds and our spirit, spiritually, psychologically, and, and really in every way. And I want to begin with this fundamental thought. The best leader ever is available to you. What you need when you're depressed, when you're anxious, when you're overwhelmed, one of the things that you need security with <coughs> is that you have someone who is competent <coughs> that can lead you and can take care of you and can see you through whatever it is that you're going to be facing. We have the best leader ever available to us. John Maxwell, who is a leadership, recognized leadership expert, said that leadership is everything. And, that, and that's absolutely the truth. It's, it's true uh, at a university. It's true at a team. It's true in a family. It's true everywhere. Everything rises and falls on leader, leadership. And look who our leader is. Verse 1, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. We have available to us God himself to be our leader. He describes himself here, King David, God through David describes himself as a shepherd. I grew up in Tennessee. I lived in Texas many years, and I've lived in Louisiana over 15 years now. You don't see a lot of sheep where I have lived. You see cows, you see pigs, you see chickens. I don't know a lot about sheep except what I've studied. So what I'm sharing with you is from people who do know about sheep and about shepherds. A shepherd, by definition, is someone who leads. It's someone who rules. But it's not a dictatorial leadership. It's a companion leadership. It's a herdsman. It's the, the word pastor is often synonymous with the word shepherd. In, in David's world, in the ancient Eastern world, oftentimes kings were called shepherds, and they hopefully were shepherds, caretaker type of leaders. And we are told this morning, and we're told throughout the Bible, that we are like sheep. Shepherds lead sheep. Ranchers lead cows. Chicken men lead chicken. Shepherds lead sheep. And the Bible says that we are like sheep. Here's how experts that work with them describe sheep. They're timid, they're defenseless, they're easily led, they're stubborn, and they're needy. Did God not define us right when he defined us as sheep? And one shepherd said, sheep need detailed care. If you've got cows and decent fences, at certain times of the year, you can push them out and just go look at them occasionally. They're going to be okay. 
Sheep, it's not that way. They need detailed care. They, they have to be fed. They have to be watered properly. They have to be re- taken to rest. They have to be protected. You have to tend to their health a lot more than you do a lot of other livestock. And you have to plan for them today, and you have to plan for them tomorrow. Now, let me just tell you all this. This is not an agricultural farming lesson today. It's God describing us as sheep and him as the shepherd. Philip Keller, a man I will quote some today and next week, was a a man from South Africa. He's a Christian. I don't know if he's still alive today. But he grew up as a shepherd boy and then as a shepherd. So he's very familiar with the subject, very familiar with the idea. And he said, for the sheep, everything depends on the shepherd. He said, you could drive by two pastures split by a fence. One has a bad shepherd. you got scrawny sheep that got insects all over them. Their wool looks horrible. They're decaying and they're dying right across the fence. Is, is fat, healthy, and happy. Don't you wish someone would look at you and say, you're fat, healthy, and happy. That, but that's how to describe sheep that are, that are doing well. And he said the one difference, it's not the sheep. It wasn't the pastures. It wasn't the water available. It was the shepherd. And, folks, God describes himself as our shepherd. The guy writing this is King David. God's writing it through King David. King David, most scholars believe he was writing this when he was an old man. So this is not like a, a young guy writing it. And not that a young guy writing would be bad, but this is an old, experienced person. Let me tell you a little bit about David. Many of you, this will be a review. Some of you, it'll be first-time information. He grew up as a shepherd, so he's writing from experience. He's writing what he knows personally. He grew up probably very poor. Shepherds were the lower end of the social class. So here's someone who grew up poor who grew up working sheep and as a working person. Later on, he became a king. He was at the opposite end of the social economic level. He had wealth and everything he wanted uh, at, at his disposal. He was courageous. He killed Goliath. He was a warrior. He was a fighter. He was a man after God's own heart. He was a liar, a deceiver. He committed adultery with one of his close friend's wives. And then he admitted it, came clean, and made restitution. No, he lied about it, and he had him killed, and he married her. He knew peace. He knew prosperity. If you read the book of Psalms, which God used David to write a lot of the Psalms, he was depressed. He had anxiety. He had overwhelm. He had horrible guilt. But at the end, he always came back to where he needed to be with God. And when he died, he said he's a man after God's own heart. This is not somebody writing this. It's some professor sitting in the library drinking a latte, thinking up theories. This is someone who lived out the real world. And he says to you this morning, and he says to me this morning, no matter what you're going through, no matter what you will going through, if you're not anxious, depressed, and overwhelmed and stressed today, humble yourself because you will be in the future. You absolutely will be. Are you help people who are? Are you work with people you are? And it begins with this. The greatest leader ever is available for you. And I'm going to always throw this out this morning. It is available. He's not going to force himself on you. Let me tell you four things this passage tells us about God and about you and me. Number one, he can meet your deepest needs. He can meet the deepest needs of your life. You're looking, you're looking through it. Money, by the way, young people, peer pressure, immature living, going after the wrong things, that's not something that ends when you get 18. They're doing that at the nursing home today, probably. There's peer pressure. 
and you're looking to have those needs met, especially when your life's upside down, and he says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. If you're taking notes, that biblical word want means I, I, won't, I won't be in lack. I, I won't fail. I'm not going to decrease or fall backwards. And he's stating this emphatically, like this is not possibly could happen, not a question mark. It's like David was pounding on the pulpit and he said, listen, when God is your shepherd, he's going to take care of you. He's going to take care of the needs of your life. Want there synonymous with need, not this fluffy wants. And so I would say this morning, that would apply to a lot of things. You're anxious. You're depressed. You're grieving. God Almighty can come into your life if you'll let him. And he can meet those needs. He can help you overcome those things. Philippians 4.19, way over in the New Testament, says the same thing. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. And riches and glory in Christ Jesus, that's like, that's like going to a, a major bank and saying you need $10. They can provide it. A major bank and saying you need a million dollars, they can provide it. But said the difference is some bank, eventually they're going to run out of money. God's glorious and riches in heaven are never going to be tapped. God says to you this morning, whatever hurt you're experiencing, if you'll come to him, he's got the resources to take care of you. In James chapter 1 verse 17, I've said this verse several times, but I think it's so important to understand. I think a lot of preachers, people in my profession, miss this. Every good and every perfect gift is from God. What does that mean? It means that sometimes that God meets my needs and my wants and helps me get past that depression or that stress. Not just some supernatural way. He certainly can do that. But sometimes it's through a doctor. Sometimes it's through a counselor. Sometimes it's through medicine. You know, sometimes it's through church. That's one of the reasons we come together, hopefully, as a body to build each other up. But I want to throw some great news at you this morning. I don't know what you're going through, but I know God's got the resources to help you. Here's the second thing he says. He can lead you to a place of peace and refreshment. A place of peace and refreshment. Look in verse 2. He makes me lie down in green pastures. There's two thoughts there. Here's the first one, green pastures. Now, you don't drive, I hope none of you drive by a pasture and go, man, that grass looks good. Do you? I mean, like you want to eat it good? No. Thank you, Jeremy Telford, who was shaking his head. Yes. You, you, you want it to look good like if you're a farmer or you're, you mow yards and stuff because that gives you work. But let me give this in your language, in my language. Green pastures to a sheep is like ice cream donut buffet to you and me. Okay, y'all are a little tense this morning. How many of you like donuts? Raise your hand. If you want to go to heaven, raise your hand. How many of you like ice cream? Okay, remember what I said? This is true. I'm a preacher. I have insight. You don't. In hell, they're eating cabbage this morning. In heaven, they're eating no-calorie bluebell. Okay? So, in other words, green pastures to a sheep, man, here's what God's saying. I'm going to take the sheep to the perfect place to meet their, their fundamental need to, be, to, to eat. Also, he says, I will make them lie down in green pastures. Sheep don't rest easy. You don't rest easy, many of us. I mean, you, you drink a, a half a gallon of liquor or you take enough pills, you'll, go, you'll pass out. But that's not what kind of sleep that you need, certainly. 
He says, I make them lie down in green pastures. I bring rest to my sheep. Shepherds say a sheep needs four things before it can rest. It needs to not be hungry. That's part of the green pastures. It needs freedom from pest. There doesn't need to be friction between other sheep for it to rest. And they don't need to be afraid that they're going to be attacked. Many of us don't sleep because we're afraid. And it's so great. It says that God brings the sheep to a place of satisfaction and of rest. I'm telling you this morning... You're looking for rest in a lot of places. God's the one who can bring you to the place of rest. He says next, he leads them beside quiet waters. Sheep reportedly will not drink from a fast-moving stream. They're scared of it. When when a sheep's got a full coat of wool on it and they, they don't swim well, that's like you jumping into the swimming pool with three overcoats on. It's going to fill up and they're going to drown. So they're timid. And they don't swim well, so if they come by a stream or a river that's moving fast, they're going to get away from it. They're not going to drink. And they've got to have water just like we do. And so the shepherd, if he's a good shepherd, he's diligent to find a place for them to drink where it's slow-moving waters. Or a lot of shepherds get ahead of the sheep or get someone else to help them, and they go and dam up places to in, the, in the creeks to where people, they can, the sheep can come in and drink from still waters. What a cool thing. In other words, the good shepherd does everything he can to make sure that the sheep can find peace and refreshment. USA Today several years ago had an article about us and said 50% of us are irritable. I would agree with that. We're angry. We're fatigued. We don't sleep well. And we don't look to God for the solution. We self-medicate. We overeat. We eat the wrong things. By the way, have you ever heard of anybody who's who's trying to self-medicate with food, eating carrots. I mean, that's not what you do, is it? I mean, it's chips and ice cream. That's how you wrongly self-medicate. Or you self-medicate with alcohol and drugs, even legal drugs. And that's not the answer. My assistant, Brenda, found this for me this week. I thought it was interesting. In Louisiana, 36% of us are sleep-deprived. I bet it's higher than that. We also... Rank number 36 in mental health. Isn't that comforting to know that we are way down near the bottom in being a mentally healthy state? We're looking in the wrong places. You got someone today who says, I can lead you. I will lead you. I can take care of your needs. I can lead you to a place in life. I can keep you in that place of life that's not perfect, that's not bulletproof but a place where you can find peace and rest. And that's what God promises us. Here's the third thing. He says, I can restore you. Look in verse 3. He restores my soul. This is a great concept. To restore means to turn something around, to get it back up, to refresh its spirit. This is spiritually, but it's much more than that. It restores my soul. Your soul is your life. It's your very being. Shepherds describe something with sheep, and they call it when a sheep gets cast, C-A-S-T. When a sheep gets cast, it's got a full coat of wool, and it falls over, and it cannot get back up on its own. And sheep are too stupid to help the other sheep up. They just walk around, look, and eat, and move on. And if that sheep lays there, even if it's cool weather, it will die in a few days. If it's a hot, hot day, they may die in a few hours. They're very susceptible to parasites, to wild dogs, coyotes, and vultures. 
And so to restore the sheep, one of the concepts David's talking about is when the shepherd sees a sheep laying over and it can't get back up and it can't help itself, and he goes and gets under that sheep and he picks it back up and he restores it to life and to safety and to health. And see, that's one thing God's saying to you this morning. I want to restore you. I want to renew you. Some of you need it spiritually. This is a different sermon, but I'll chase the rabbit. Man, you know a lot about God, but you haven't been close to God in years. And you'll argue God, you're moral, and that's great. You need to be moral. But you have not been close in a warm relationship with God in years. You need to be restored back to God today. And some of us, man, it's not spiritually as much as we're just beat up. We're worn out. We're fatigued. We're stressed out. The medicine we're taking doesn't seem to be helping. We pray and we don't seem to be getting better. Maybe it's just turning back to God fully and letting him restore you and getting you back up. Several years ago, many years ago, when I was a young Christian, going through kind of a tough time, this thought, which is really simple, but but to me it was life-changing. Man, I I believe in doctors. I believe in counselors. I believe in those things. But it it dawned on me, God created me and you. He knows everything about me. As great as doctors are, there's no greater physician than God. And as great as counselors are, psychologists or psychiatrists can be, God knows my psychic, my makeup, my emotional state, and how to fix me better than anybody else. And I'm not discouraging, keep going the doctor, keep going the counselor, but let God restore you because he knows how. He, the Bible, it's a neat thing, the Bible describes God as the great physician. Jesus as a great physician, the great healer, the Holy Spirit, and Jesus are described as counselors. Isn't that a wonderful thing? And he says, come to me. One, one translator literally translates this. He restores my sanity. I won't ask you to raise your hand or point at anybody, but you know somebody that needs that. He restores my sanity. He restores me back to hell. Man, I challenge you this morning. Let God upright you. Let him get you back on the path spiritually that you used to be on. Let him get you back on the, the, the path emotionally and psychologically you need to be on. And here's the fourth thing this morning. He can lead us to the right places moving forward. And again, I, I say he can. He's not going to do it without your permission. But he can lead you to the right places moving forward. Listen, this is the absolute truth. A lot of your anxiety and my anxiety comes from this. We're worried about the future. We can't sleep because we, we, what lies ahead? What's going to happen in this situation? What if this happens? What if this happens? And we toss and turn and we fret and we, and we can't come to any solutions. Am I going to make the right decision here? How's this going to unfold? And then we overthink everything, trying to figure out how this is going to happen or this is going to happen or what we're going to do. And I'm not encouraging you to be lazy emotionally, but we wear ourselves out with this. I read an article this week. It talked about a lot of our stress comes from things we can't control. Think how dumb that is. We're going to be upset by things we can't control. But how many of you do that besides me? Raise your hands. Make me feel better about myself. You do. You fret. You worry. You're anxious. A lot of it's about the future that you have no control over whatsoever. And if, you, if that's you, I would calm you down and tell you, you are very normal 
if that's you. But here's what God says in verse 3. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. The word leads means guides, but it doesn't mean just God. Here's how God guides, like the good shepherd. He, he walks beside you. He protects you. He sustains you. He doesn't just point the way and say that's the direction. He walks you down the path together. And he said the path of righteousness. Righteousness is a big word that means the right way, the path of God. In other words, God says... You don't know what lies ahead, but I want to lead you. Follow me. I will lead you the right way. And he says this, for my name's sake. Here's what God says. I will put my name on the line that if you will follow me, you're going to be okay. That's awesome. How, everybody in here, it's somewhere in your life, you're probably a leader. And when you're a leader, whether it's at home, whether it's at work, at church, at the university, at school, with a sports team, your name is on the line with how things turned out. When we make a decision as a church, I work with a, a committee or a team, we bring it to the church, the church votes, five years later it goes bad, nobody is mad at the committee. Nobody at the church goes, man, I shouldn't have voted for that. They say the pastor's an idiot. Because the pastor, the leader's name is on the line. God says, I will put my name on the line that you follow me. This is going to go well. Isn't that great? The path of righteousness, the way you need to go. Philip Keller, that South African shepherd said, sheep have bad eyes. They can see about 15 yards ahead. They need to be led slowly and directly and intently to get them where they need to go. You and I need to be led slowly, directly, intently. Let me give you a great thought. God knows what lies ahead 10 years better than you can remember what happened yesterday. Do you believe that? God knows what's going to happen 10 years down the road better than you and I can remember what we did yesterday. So if I say... I'm going to let God lead me. Man, I'm concerned. I'm scared. I don't know what's going to happen. I'm going to quit being scared. I'm going to quit worrying. I'm going to quit being anxious. I'm going to put my hand in God. God's saying, I'll put my name on the line. I'll get you where you need to be. That works, doesn't it? It works. See, we got a great, great leader. World War II. End of World War II. In Europe. Germany had been defeated. A lot of great things had happened. Man, there's a lot of tragedy, obviously. One of the tragedies you don't hear a lot about was the orphans. I mean, there were orphans everywhere. Some had survived concentration camps, little Jewish children. Others, their parents and dads had been killed in war. Their families, their homes, people had died. Just, Orphans everywhere. And so the, the Allies, the, the Americans and the British and the French began to build, we would call them tent cities, orphanages all over parts of Europe. And they were able to provide the kids medical care. They were able to provide them clothes, uh, a safe and a warm and dry place to sleep. And they were able to feed them all they wanted. A lot of these kids were starving to death. And they'd wake up every morning for maybe a year or two and, and have to fight just to get a cracker. 
But even after several months in the security of these camps, they noticed the kids were not sleeping well at all. And they couldn't figure out why, because they were safe, they were protected, they even watched over them at night. I mean, there wasn't any mischief going on in, in, in the, the side of the tents. And one psychologist said, I think it's because they went so long without food, they're just still so insecure about that. So here's what he came up with a solution. He said, every kid before they go to bed, you give them a piece of bread. Here's what you tell them. You tell them to hold on to that piece of bread. Don't eat it. Before you go to bed, you're hungry, you come and eat anything you want to. You wake up at 2 o'clock in the morning and you're hungry, don't eat that bread. Get up and go and we will give you something to eat. Did you know from 12 to 6 a.m. that calories don't count? Did you know that? Because my dogs wake me up in the middle of the night, I just got to eat something. It's a justification of being angry for them having to go to the bathroom at 3 in the morning. And so they gave these kids the bread. And a miraculous thing happened. They started sleeping like kids should sleep. You say, why, why did that happen? I mean, they were getting all the food they wanted. For the first time in a long time, they knew when they went to bed, they were going to be okay. And they knew when they woke up at 2 in the morning, they were going to be okay. And they knew when they woke up at 7 in the morning, they were going to be okay. Man, I want to tell you, here's what God says to you this morning. When you take this to that person you're trying to help, hold on to Jesus. The Bible says he will never fail you nor forsake you. The Bible says he never sleeps nor slumbers. And when you go to bed at night, you can hold on to his hand because he's going to be there. When you wake up at 3 in the morning, he's going to be there. When you start your day, the next day, he's going to be there. Man, that's a tremendous, tremendous offer. Here's the deal. You've got to accept it. You're here this morning and you're a Christian. Some of you are away from God. Man, you need to come back to God. Or you need to make a decision today, and we're going to give you the opportunity in a moment, that, that you are going to get back under God's leadership and let him... Meet your deepest needs of your heart. Others of you here, you're, you're, you've never given your life to Christ. Doesn't mean you're a bad person. It just means you need Jesus. And until you do that, he's not your shepherd. He's just a, a good being out there. You've got to make this personal. And I'm going to challenge you in a moment to cross that line and give your life to Jesus Christ. Let's bow our heads. This morning, if you're a Christian, man, listen. Do what you need to do to get squared up with God today. Do what you need to do to get squared up with Him. He wants to lead you. He wants to take care of you. But you've got to give Him your permission. If you're not a Christian or you're unsure, but you're ready to cross that line with Him today, pray with me. Pray with me and just say, Jesus, I am a sinner. And I want to turn from my sins. And Jesus, I believe that you're God's son and that you died and arose for me. Come into my heart. 
And Jesus, I surrender myself to you. Let me have your attention. We're going to stand in just a second to give you a chance to respond. Maybe you just prayed and asked Christ in your heart. Are you ready to do that this morning? We'll talk to you after church. I'll be at this door. Ministers will be around. We'd love to help you with that. Or you can come if you want to when we stand in a moment and cross that line with Christ. Maybe you'd like to join our church. You can do that after church too. Or you can come when we stand and join our church. Listen, you, you were built. You need a church family. And we'd love to be that if God's leading you to us. Let us help you. Christian, maybe where you're standing, maybe at the altar, it is, is a time of coming back to God. Maybe, man, you're just beat up and you, you need prayer. Turn yourself over to God. Let Him help you. Come and let us pray for you. Let's stand. As God leads you, you come.